Okay, turn to Psalm 77. The question last week, I hope you were here for last week's sermon or you found it on our app, on our website, because last week was one of the biggest questions in the Bible. It was, why do such great things happen to such terrible people? Right? Why? Why are the wicked prospering? And that sermon, a lot of people told me, was they've really been wrestling with that. We've got another big question today. The question is, has God forgotten me? Has God forgotten me? You can already tell that our series is called the Seasons of Faith, right? Song for every season. And Psalms can be summer. God is good, the light is shining, and everything's well, and fall, things are changing, and people are kind of mean, and how are we going to get through this? And then winter, everything's gone wrong. Everything's gone wrong. And then spring, God, it's, he's back, and things are changing again. And the, the five books that the Psalms are divided into somewhat cycle through that as well. We went through book one, book two. Now that we get into book three and four, there's a lot of Psalms that talk about the hard parts of life. Coming up in a few weeks, I'm going to preach a sermon called, Listen to this sermon on the worst day of your life. That's what's coming, Psalm 88 called the black sheep of the Psalter. They're nothing good in Psalm 88. It's all bad. And you can see how David, the shepherd, and all the other psalmists who are writing these are taking us on the full journey of faith with God. And the question today is, has God forgotten me? That's in the Bible? Yes, it is. So in Psalm 77, the title is, In the day of trouble I seek the Lord, to the choir master, according to Jeduthun, a psalm of Asaph. Anybody expecting with a boy? Here's a few name suggestions. Jeduthun or Asaph. You can make that a first and a middle name if you really want to go biblical. Jeduthun, Asaph, Johnson. <laughs> Who are these people? Well, they were Levites, and David lived about 1,000 B.C. So we're, we're at about 1,000 B.C. Jeduthun was one of the chief musicians appointed by David, and then Asaph was a chief singer, choir master, and songwriter. In fact, 12 psalms bear Asaph's name. So these are, uh, these are very well-known singers, songwriters, choir masters in David's day, and they write this whole song. Hey, I wrote a new song. Oh, really? What's it about? It's about how I feel forgotten by God. And like all the other vocalists are like, yeah, I feel that too. Have you ever felt forgotten by God? One of the most, one of the saddest social media trends right now in the world is people are pretending to take their dogs for a walk, they get them all ready, and then they pretend to forget them. They walk out the door without them, and they videotape it happening. Do you want to see this sad, do you want to see this sad, sad thing? Watch how sick people are. Watch this. Challenge. Tell your dog hey. you're going for, a, you're walk going for a walk and pretend to forget them. You're going for a walk? Yeah? Okay. Terrible. Your dog ready more. for a walk and pretend like you forgot them. So sad. Where did he go? 
I can't bring myself to do it to my dogs. Two dogs. It's cruel. What has this world come to? People forgetting their dogs for likes on social media. You can see it, right? The dog knows what it feels like when they are forgotten. We feel that way too. And right now, maybe you are wondering, has God forgotten me? Has he forgotten me? Psalm 77 is all about that. Verse 1, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. First thing you can write down is this. When you feel like God is forgotten, you cry out to God. Cry out to him. Cry out. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, verse 1, and he will hear me. This is prayer. This could also be worship, but this is prayer. And it's loud, it's intense, and it's all through the night, day and night. This, the song is crying out. And ask yourself this, do you, do you need help? Are you in a position where you have big problems? Then let me ask you this. Are you crying out? Are you crying out? Now, it sounds like a childish thing to do, crying out. Like adults, we're not supposed to get loud, right? We're supposed to use our indoor voices. But, but like when everybody's gone, or you've got some time to yourself, or you're in your car driving to work, do you start using your outside voice with God? Like have you increased the volume of your prayer or your praise? Cry out to God. Well, it seems awfully unnecessary. Why can't I just tell him I need this and this and this and this? There, I said it. Well, God desires a dynamic relationship with you. It's not factual and it's not functional. It is built on faith. Therefore, we are invited to express fervent prayer in the Bible. And Jesus himself, you would think if Jesus, God's one and only begotten son, needed something he could just like think it and God would pick up like they've got this eternal trinitarian bond couldn't Jesus just be like water and the message got up there and thousand angels come down with the bucket Hebrews 5 7 check it out it says this in the days of his flesh Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with what does it say loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Jesus was 100% human, and that's what humans are made to do. Cry out to God. Goodness, if Jesus cried out to God with tears, why aren't you? But often people don't know how to pray. They don't know how to do that. They don't know, they've never been taught how to talk to God. I remember somebody saying to me, I've never prayed. Not once, not once. And they were at the very beginning. Uh, sometimes in the home, parents, fathers sometimes have told me I'm a little clunky. I don't, you know, even like the dinnertime prayer, I, I'm not sure what to say. Let me give you some help with how we should cry out to God. These are called the prayer gears. They came from when I taught on Jesus' teachings on prayer. When we are praying, we are to pray boldly, confidently, humbly, 
lovingly, and persistently. Each one of those gears has to be built into your prayer life. Often people have a few of these built into their prayer life, but some of the other gears have dropped down, clonk, clonk. Some of the other gears have fallen out of their prayer lives, and that's why it's not functioning properly. But this is kind of the order Uh, of of boldness, confidence, humility, love, and persistence, when those gears are all installed and turning, your prayer life is biblical. What does it mean to pray boldly? Well, you can write these down. Bold means to ask big, big mountains being moved. It shows your faith to ask great things of a great God. Often people ask nothing, and the reason they do it is because they think that they aren't supposed to ask big things of God. So what they've done is this. They've put the humble gear in their prayer life. Well, I just want God to do whatever he wants to do. Yeah, that's awfully humble, but how about you pray boldly and you ask him for some big things? Do you see how you need both of those gears turning? Bold. Are you asking God for great things? Are you asking God because you lack faith for nothing? For nothing. Confident. Confident means you believe that you have a yes You believe God has said yes to you until he makes it clear that he has said wait or he has said no. When you ask, you have to ask confidently, believing that he has already said yes. People are confused on this because they're like, well, but God says no a lot. Some people are like, God always says no, I'll ask, but he always says no, and that's just a lack of faith. But we're supposed to ask, believing we have a yes until God reveals otherwise. And we are taught in the Bible that this comes from the reality that God has said yes to our biggest needs in life. Heaven forever, yes. All my sins gone, yes. New perfect body for eternity coming up. I want a new earth and a new heaven, yes. He said yes, 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 and put Satan away forever, yes, yes. And since he said yes to all the biggies, everything we ask now is much smaller. Well, if he said yes to that, I'm going to believe that he's saying yes to this until I learn otherwise. Will you get a no often? Yes. Will you get a wait? Yes. But we're supposed to be confident. Confident. And the Bible ties answered prayers to our belief. And if you are double-minded, the Bible says you should expect to receive nothing from God. Right? Nothing. And uh, the father was praying for his child after Jesus came down the mountain. Disciples couldn't heal his, I think it was his daughter. And the guy said, well, if there's anything you can do, go ahead and do it. And Jesus looked at him and said, if? Let's pause this right now. His child is seizing on the ground. And Jesus looks at him and says, if? If? And maybe that's what he's saying to you right now. When you pray... Do you have any confidence whatsoever? Oh, if you can do this, if you can help me with this, then maybe I'll get something finally. Where's your confidence? Humble, next, humility. Yes, yes. Father, not my will, but yours be done, right? Not my will, but yours be done. You need to have the humility gear turning. Too often, that's the only gear in people's, and they get that's theologically inaccurate, to only pray humbly, to ask God for nothing. That's actually praise. That's not even prayer. To only tell God the great things about him and what he's done, that's praise. That's not prayer. Prayer is asking, right? 
asking, humility, and then loving relationships, uh, right? It can hinder a man's prayers if his relationship with his wife is out of whack, the Bible says. You have to have your relationships in order. You can't be like, gimme, 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 and then you're a tyrant to everyone around you. And then persistent. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. Always pray, Jesus said, and never give up. Well, I already asked him. Well, ask him again. I already asked him again. Ask him again, again. And again, again, again. Keep praying because it's really relational. Hopefully the prayer gears will help you which which ones are not installed properly in your prayer life. Maybe you're not asking big. Maybe you're not confident while you wait. Maybe you're not being humble or loving. Maybe you've stopped asking. The psalmist is crying aloud, crying aloud boldly. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. It's nighttime, and still the prayer is happening. My soul refuses to be comforted. Things are bad. We don't know why things are bad. My soul refuses to be comforted. I like that because the psalmist is basically saying, I'm losing sleep here. This problem is severe. I'm not settling for easy answers. I'm not. And the Bible invites this level of intensity between you and God. In fact, it says elsewhere in the scripture, give him no rest until he establishes what he has promised. You're keeping God up. Not like he can sleep, but the point is, you're giving him no rest. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. Have you been there? Maybe you're there right now. Life, life, life. And then finally you're alone and you're like, God. Oh, this is kind of making it even worse because he's not doing anything. My problems are my problems, but now I'm thinking about why God is. I remember God and I moan. It kind of makes it worse. My spirit faints. I like verse 4, you hold my eyelids open. That's picturesque, isn't it? Like this, right? right. It's like, it's like I'm trusting God to even keep me up right now while I'm keeping God up because I'm so upset. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. There we are, and maybe there's where you are. There you are, hands out, should have been in bed a long time ago, barely awake, and you, don't, you can't even say anything. That's when the Holy Spirit groans on your behalf. God wants this. Cry out to God. Are you crying out to God when you have no words, can't sleep? Cry out to God. Reading on, verse 5. What's going on in this person's soul here late into the night? I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Maybe he's thinking back to when his faith was strong, or maybe right now he's trying to remember his song, his faith. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Listen to those questions. Has he forgotten me? 
Is this going to be this way forever? Jot this down. Bring him all your questions and doubts. Cry out to God and bring him all your questions and doubts. Too often, people have questions, they have doubts, they've got a problem they can't solve or figure out, they've got a, something they're going through and they don't know why, but they don't talk to God about it. And they don't, they don't talk to God's people about it. They just, they got all these things and they complain elsewhere, but they don't complain to God. The psalmist shows us that we can bring all of our questions and doubts to God. Are you confessing your doubts to God? Are you sharing them with others? Sometimes when people grow up in the church, they feel like our faith can't be questioned. Oh, well, I sometimes wonder if this is true, but I can't say anything because if I say something, then my mom is going to freak out. But I, and then they don't get their answers, and then they go off to college, and they walk away from the faith, right? But it's important to know that the Bible welcomes doubters. Did you know that? The Bible invites questioners and profiles in the New Testament favorably people who are trying to figure all this out. When Paul came into Berea, after they tried to kill him in the previous cities, it said the Bereans were of more noble character because they searched the scripture every day to see if what Paul said was true. Oh, Paul said something? Well, let's go and see. Is that accurate? Is that accurate? And Paul was just like, go ahead. It's in there. (laughs) He's not like, how dare you question me? The Bible welcomes those who genuinely want answers Um, Jesus talked to the woman at the well, and she wasn't on board with it right away, right? She didn't know how to feel about him. Who is this man who wants me to get him some water? And there was a back and forth there, and Jesus wasn't like, I'm the Messiah, take it or leave it. He went back and forth with her, and finally she got it. She ran into the town and told everybody about him. Nicodemus, late at night, right? Pharisee sneaks up at you. Hey, hey, oh, I got some questions for you. Oh, why are we hiding in the darkness? He didn't want to be seen publicly with Jesus. How can a man be born again? I was thinking about that. It seems impossible. Jesus is like, are you Israel's teacher and you don't know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I've got extra questions. That's why I showed up here for the after-hour session, (laughs) right? And Jesus slapped him on the wrist, but because he should know better. But Nicodemus ultimately, like, he became a follower of Christ. He helped after Jesus died. I mean, he, he wanted to be involved, and then he publicly did tell his, his faith to others. But it took him some time, right? You can bring him all of your questions and doubts. And Thomas, oh my goodness, everyone believes it. And Thomas is like, I'm not going to believe it until I see it with my own eyes, and I'm going to touch his hand and his side. Jesus made him wait for a week, and finally Jesus is like, stop doubting and believe. And Thomas did. The Bible welcomes doubters and questioners because God wants you to love him with all your heart and all your mind. So are you bringing your questions and doubts and your pain and your hurts to God? Jot this down. When it feels like he's ignoring you, that's the time to let him have it. When it feels like he's ignoring you, has God forgotten to be gracious? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Sometimes you don't know, is he mad at me? Did I do something wrong? And and in this psalm, the psalmist is pretty confident he didn't do anything wrong. That's a different sermon. I did something terrible and God's really mad at me. That's a different sermon, right? So if you did something really wrong and a lot of bad things are happening, it's not that God has forgotten you, it's that you've made some terrible choices. That's a different psalm. But if, if you're doing all right and yet where is God, that's what this psalm is camping on. 
We hate to feel overlooked, right? We, we get annoyed even if we kind of pull up to the drive-thru, you know, for our Egg McMuffin. And we have to just sit there for a little while. Hello! Oh, sorry, can I take your order? We get agitated when people are neglecting us for small things. Feels like we're being ignored. We don't like being put on hold. You're on, finally get through, Comcast, service out. So I had <laughs> wires in my backyard that were too low, and I had to get them to come out because they were too low. But here's what was confusing. They weren't my lines. They go straight through my yard. I could reach up and touch them, but they're not my, they go through my yard to the neighbors. So I'm like, need you to come out and raise up the line. Oh, what's your account number? Oh, they're not my line. Oh, they're not your lines. Oh, let me put you on hold. No! And then the music is playing. Oh, we hate that. It's degrading. It's an insulting to just not be Listen to, to be put on hold, to be forgotten about the worst is when you're on hold for a while and then suddenly, click, the call ends. And I gotta go through it all again. Sometimes kids ignore their parents. Maybe you've heard about this. <laughs> Parent talking, child not listening. Parent talking, child not listening. We know what being ignored feels like when we're parents. But honestly, sometimes parents ignore children. I'll admit it. I need this or I need to go that. And dad's just in the zone, you know? Like, just, are you listening to me? Oh, sorry. No, I wasn't. I was ignoring you. It doesn't feel good when you're being ignored. It doesn't feel good. Even when you send an email and you get no response. Now in the email box, you see what they do? They help you. You received this email three days ago and you haven't responded yet. And you look at that and you're either like, oh dear, I forgot. Or you're like, yeah, I'm not responding to that person. It feels, when we're ignored, right? When we're ignored, when we feel like we're not getting through, it's hard on earth. It's even harder when we feel like we're throwing our prayers up there and then they just thud, they just come back down. Thud. Am I on hold? Am I being ignored? Is anyone up there? And the psalmist, this is, this is not just a psalm. This is, this is a worship song. So like they got the whole country to sing this. We feel like God's ignoring us. He's forgotten everything. They're singing this together. See, this is part of a dynamic relationship with God, and you're going to feel this way, Right? Bring him all your questions and doubts. When it feels like he's ignoring you, jot this down. When it feels like he's forgetting to bless you, I'm not seeing any evidence of his favor. It's taking longer than I thought. This is harder than I anticipated. Has God forgotten to be gracious? Will the Lord never again be favorable? Abraham must have wondered when he was at 75 years old, God appeared to him. Abraham had no kids. Poof, you're going to be a daddy. Oh, 75 years old. In fact, you're going to have, look up, descendants as many as the stars. Wow. Well, we better get a Costco membership because we're going to need to get a lot of food, right? And then 75, and then 80, 85, 90, 95, 99, when he finally finds out it's happening, 100 years old, he's a daddy, 100 years old, he's a daddy. God made him wait 25 years. Wow. 
Has God forgotten to bless me? Abraham had to wait. Jot this down. Bring him all your questions and doubts when his promises aren't coming true yet. God, and this is where God said something specifically, but it's not happening yet. God, you said all things would work together for good. You said I should believe whatever I have asked in prayer and it shall be mine. You said you will reward my obedience. Why did you say this when you're not doing it? One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is the Shunammite woman, and she blessed Elisha, the prophet, Elijah's successor. And she blessed him, gave him this room, and supported him. And finally, Elisha's like, you know what? We should bless this woman. And then his servant was like, well, she doesn't have any kids. And Elisha's like, that's it. And he said, "Uh, you're going to become a mom next year. And she goes, don't do this to me. Don't get my hopes up. Middle-aged, let that ship sail a while ago. And you're going you're gonna to be a mom. Oh, really? A year later, she has a child. Oh, she loves it. Well, then the child is young, maybe six, seven, eight years old, tragically dies. And she got on her horse, wouldn't talk to anyone. She went straight to that prophet, Elisha. She knelt down in front of him, grabbed him by the ankles and said, I told you not to do this. Why did you do this? You promised me something and now it's gone and she unloaded on him and he's like I don't even know what happened he went back now only one time in the past had God raised the dead through Elijah the 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 widow's son and Elisha didn't know what to do and so he prayed and and that child came back from the dead it only happened a couple times in the old testament and she received her son back from the dead. What did she do? She went to the man of God, she got on her face, and she pled. And God heard her. Do you see how it works in the Bible? Do you see how it works? God, you promised me something, it didn't happen, tragedy came. That's what you tell him, and then amazing things happen. Even if you feel like all your hopes have died, God can bring them back from the grave. It's amazing. Number one, Cry out to God. Pray boldly, confidently, humbly, lovingly, persistently. Number two, bring him all your questions and doubts. When it feels like he's ignoring you, when it feels like he's forgetting to bless you, when his promises aren't coming true yet, cry out to him. And number three, jot this down. Remember the deeds of the Lord. Remember the deeds of the Lord. It says, then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. What's he doing now? He's thinking back to the very best, the very highest deeds of God. I will appeal. Remember, this is late into the night. This is, I should have been in bed two hours ago. This is, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? All this frenzied activity results in, I'm going to think of the right hand, what the best things God has done. I will remember the deeds of the Lord, verse 11. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? He's getting ready to think back to the big ones. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people. And then he starts to think of specific things. The children of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. Well, let's write this down first. Remember the deeds of the Lord. Remember the awesome deeds of the Lord. So you cry out to God, you bring him all your questions and doubts, and then you remember the deeds of the Lord. 
the awesome deeds of the Lord. How many of you have started watching the Olympics, the Tokyo Olympics? Have you watched that? We just watched a little of it last night. I am thrilled that skateboarding is finally an Olympic sport. I don't know if you're excited about that too. Grew up, you know, born in the 70s, but grew up in the 80s, and the skateboard movies were the best movies. All right, so it finally happened. I think Tony Hawk was there talking about it. The Olympics, there's so many great deeds that happen in the Olympics, right? Here's some pictures from the Olympics. They're awesome things that go on. I like the judo pictures. <laughs> These are pictures of people trying to throw each other around. Here's the next picture. It's just, they catch a perfect timing, right? <laughs> awesome deeds. And here's the next picture. You can see the, uh, the ping pong, right? Yes, yeah, an Olympic sport. And uh, you can see the focus. And uh, here's the next picture. And uh, gymnastics, big part of the Summer Olympics as well. And then, and then in the end, what you want is this. You want that feeling of, of total triumph. And this last picture shows that, just captures this, yes, I have done it. Awesome deeds are being done uh, in the Olympics. They're tracking Simone Biles. She's got a chance to become the most decorated Olympic athlete in the U.S. And so many gold medals. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And here the psalmist is thinking back to those Olympic moments in the Bible. You know, wow, God did that? That's what we're supposed to do, too. And there's names here associated with it. So jot this down. Remember Jacob and Joseph. Remember Jacob and Joseph. These names come up here. And maybe you don't know the Old Testament all that well. A little summary here. Jacob and Joseph. Abraham, of course, uh, world's only hope was his offspring because that would lead to Jesus ultimately being born. But Abraham would, would lead to the founding of Israel. And Israel would bring Jesus into the world. Isaac, right? Uh, Isaac, miracle child. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob and Esau. So Jacob was his son, and from Jacob came the 12 tribes of Israel. You know Jacob, he wrestled with God and prevailed and uh, walked with a limp for the remainder of the time. And then uh, his son Joseph, though, was sold by his brothers into Egypt. Maybe you don't know how these stories connect. You, you have them in your mind. But see, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph was the son sold into slavery in Egypt. While he was there, he thought his family just hated him. But God used Joseph to save the whole known world back then from a coming famine. And so Joseph appeared before Pharaoh and was basically like, yeah, we're all going to die, you know. And so get ready. Seven years of famine is coming. And Pharaoh's like, put this guy in charge of everything. So Joseph became like second in charge, second in command of the superpower of the day. And he did. He saved his entire family and the world from starvation. And out of that would come the Israelites. The problem is, after Joseph, prince of Egypt, saved his people from starvation, the next pharaoh forgot about Joseph and everything they did, and they enslaved the people of Israel. Hundreds of years, they enslaved the people of Israel. Joseph knew this would happen, though, and he talked about it, and he said, look, God's going to come. When he comes, bring my bones up out of here to the land God had promised. It was all set. God had made a promise to Abraham that he was going to establish a land. It was all set. It was all set. Remember, Jacob and Joseph. And then reading on, verse 16, after Jacob and Joseph, it talks about the Exodus and the Red Sea. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled, the clouds poured out water, the skies gave forth thunder, 
Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Jot this down. Remember Moses and Aaron. Remember Moses and Aaron. How can we forget them? Moses showed up. Well, you know when Moses was born, they were throwing all the Israel, Israelite boy babies to the crocodiles in the Nile, right? So Moses had to be saved from that. His mom just put him in a little ark, a little wood, and sent him down the river. And, and thankfully, Pharaoh's uh, relative, uh, the princess, right, uh, came and, and picked him up and, and, and brought him into the palace and said, I'm keeping him. And Pharaoh was like, all right, fine. So Moses was raised royalty, and was able to take on all of the, the glory of that. And then finally the day came when God showed him his people and their suffering, and Moses went to the Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Let my people go. And Pharaoh said, who is this God that I should fear him? And then plague after plague fell upon Egypt, and then finally Pharaoh held his own firstborn son dead in his arms. Uh, and finally Pharaoh said, get out of here. But then after the Israelites left, he changed his mind. No! We're going to bring them back. And they got the whole army and they started chasing them and it all culminated at the Red Sea. There were God's people, millions of them, millions of them right there on their way to the land of promise. They were by a body of water and here comes Pharaoh with all of his chariots and his army. They're going to kill him. They're going to enslave him. They've got no hope. And God had come down in the form of this pillar of fire and this cloud and it switched around to the back to protect them. And then God said to Moses, what are you waiting for? Lead the people on. And Moses is like, there's water here. So, so Moses walked out. You know what happened? He lifted up his staff and the waters were parted. My favorite picture of this is one artist drew this picture, uh, painted this picture of the Red Sea. This was used in the um, Moses' story that was turned into an animated film years ago. This is the painting uh, of that moment. And you can see the waters just standing up. There was a wall of water on the left and a wall of water on the right. This is a great deed of the Lord. And the psalmist here is supposed to be sleeping, is remembering this amazing moment when the Israelites walked through on dry land, and then the Pharaoh and all of his chariots, when they tried to get through, they were swallowed up by the sea. Remember Moses and Aaron. Man, if you need to get your thoughts turned around, think of the great and glorious deeds of God in the past. Jot this down. Read, ponder, and meditate on God's Word. When questions are haunting you, when your faith is being tested, why me? Why now? Where are you, God? Get in your Bible. Get in your Bible and renew your mind. God will make His presence and His power known. He will reveal His glory to you again. I've challenged everybody in the church to read through the book of Psalms as we go through there, and we have a reading guide on the way out. It's on the table on your way out, and it has all the chapters of the book of Psalms right there. I hope you're reading through it, but you can just check it off as you get through it. And this is what the psalmist is doing. On loop, watching, watching in his, these, these great and awesome deeds of the Lord again and again and again, and the confidence that, that he found is unbelievable. God did it. God did it. So hey, I don't know what it is that's keeping you up at night, but cry out to God boldly, confidently, humbly, lovingly, persistently. Bring him all your questions and doubts. When it feels like he's ignoring you, 
when it feels like he's forgetting to bless you, when his promises aren't coming true yet. And remember the deeds of the Lord. Remember Jacob and Joseph. Remember Moses and Aaron and read, ponder, and meditate on God's word. And remember, God loves it when we come to him, no matter what's on our mind, no matter what time of the day, cry out to the Lord. Let's pray together right now. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you, Father, for your grace. And we know based on this psalm that we can come to you and cry out to you for anything. No matter how hard things have gotten, no matter how bad things have become, even if we can't get to sleep at night, we can cry out to you. And Lord, the, the first thing we have to cry out to you for is salvation. And I pray, Lord, that if anyone has not cried out to you for salvation yet, that they would say, save me, Jesus. Save me from all of my sins. That they would find that first deliverance from death, just as you walked Israel through those dark waters of death into the land of promise so you need to save us and walk us safely into the land of promise i pray lord for those of us who have walked with you for many years whatever it is that's troubling our heart remind us we can bring you all of our questions and our doubts you will not turn us away you will not forsake us ever and i pray lord that we would endure by faith patiently that we would trust you O lord and that you would in the end prove faithful to us again. We love you, Lord, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.